Well, the transfer portal is about to close for college basketball. What does that mean for UCLA as they fill out their 2023-24 roster? Well, we'll talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Locked On UCLA. Thanks for making your first listen each and every day. It's free where we get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. And become an everyday listener. Why not? You missed some football discussions yesterday, some key basketball discussions the other day. So let's get right to it here on Locked On UCLA. The, the transfer portal is closing for college basketball on May 11th, so a day from this dropping of the podcast. And I was wondering, how is UCLA going to figure out the rest of the roster? Is anybody going to leave? No. Is anybody going to come in? Interesting. And while they haven't been looking to the portal other than Stefanovic for the most part, is there any last-second portal gets that they might go after if someone jumps in the portal at the last moment across the country? So let's take a look at who are the top guys available in, in the portal. And got to think, there's... Only 38% of the players who have entered the portal that have actually committed. So there is a plethora, plethora of options available if UCLA wants to go that way. Because one, wow, I did talk about a dumb bona and Clark potentially wanted to come back. There's still another spot available or two, depending on if one or both come back. I know Tiger Campbell's got to make his decision if he wants to stay trying for the NBA draft or if his UCLA career is over. And then there's the thought process of, hey, a month ago on this podcast, we were talking about a day Mara is seriously considering UCLA. And since try to look things up, I haven't seen much about a day Mara coming to UCLA I'm trying to look. All right. You know, he's the heavy, heavy favorite to go to UCLA, but I haven't seen any updated information, although it might be a little bit different getting his, you know, transcripts and records and everything good to come to UCLA in the summer. But that, that's something that has not been solidified to this point available right now in the portal. And while UCLA's already got a shooting guard and Tibla Ul, who they just com- got committed, they've got Stefanovic, who can maybe play as a big shooting guard, but he's a 6'7", might even play as the four, as John Rothstein put the other day. These are guys who are in the portal UCLA could go after. Remember, last year the Bruins didn't even have a single transfer come into their team. A little bit different when you have so many players leaving your roster like the Bruins have this year, except it's not via the transfer portal. It's because they're all graduating, running out of eligibility, or wanted to go pursue bigger interests in the NBA. So there's Jaswan Ahold, or Jashan Ahold, I should say, transfer out of Georgia. He is the highest rated recruit available currently at the recording of this podcast. They literally updated it, refreshed the page, and he jumped in, according to the On3 website, to the portal from Georgia on May 10th, the day that we dropped this podcast. Do they need a shooting guard? No, I don't think Holt is the way to go. Then you've got the likes of Redshirt Jr. from Kent State, Robert Carpenter, you know, three-star, 89 ranking. One wonders if he would want to take a big leap, if that's something. But as you can see, those big names, you know, other than a DJ Rodman in terms of name value who eventually went to USC, going on this transfer portal list, because the On3 website's kind of goofy. They don't always update it. You know, there's not too many guys who are available that maybe UCLA would want or have been linked to in recent days. 
So maybe what the Bruins are realizing is after watching that Bruin report interview with that bro report interview with the exclusive of Dambona, he, he was saying he's leaning one way, but would not give an idea as to what it was. And especially with no word on a day Mara, well, does that mean Bona's leaning coming back, but he doesn't want to tell the NBA teams that does that mean he wants to hope get one last call? I'm leaning some way. Somebody give me a call. Or does that mean, Hey, I want to go and play the NBA, but I'm not saying anything yet in case nobody calls me and I'm over, you know, stepping my bounds, whatever that means. It's just there's the portal closing, and while UCLA is in a unique situation, not losing talent to the portal, they kind of have lost so much from last year's team that who's available? Not a lot of big school guys are still available that are at the top of these transfer portal rankings in terms of the guys who have just jumped in. Again, less than 40% of these guys, according to the On3 website, have committed. So there's a lot of players out there. And it seems like Mick Cronin already picked his choice in Lazar Stefanovic. Again, Hold is the top option just entered today in terms of overall, I guess, rankings or just recency. And taking a look at the top recruits, you had to go to Hunter Dickinson, and he went to Kansas just to get more money. He just talked about that the other day. So who's going to go make that big step for UCLA? I'm not entirely sure who's going to come to you to Westwood other than it might be just a young, regrowing year for the Bruins in 23 to 24. There's just not guys who I have a beat on, or maybe the Bruins have a beat on, as to who might come through the portal. It all comes down to, all right, do Bona and Clark come back? Well, then it's a little different. Then you maybe put your efforts fully into making sure Mara can come back. But there hasn't been any word on him from what I've seen in close to a month. And if there is, then please hit the chat. So those are all the things UCLA has to, and Mick Cronin and the coaching staff have to decipher that big transfer portal window closes on May 11th. And while the Bruins aren't going to lose anybody else, they've already lost. They can only gain from this point. They're only gaining pieces and their team will look a lot better. So we hope it's Bona and Clark and then maybe one more piece if it's Amara or if they can go at the last moment, moment and stumble into a a big time player in the post that maybe might be underrated and could give some, some depth to the, to the front court is what I'm trying to say. So it, just something to take a look at. We'll see how it all plays out. Just a reminder, the portal closes. What does that mean? I think we're just more waiting to the end of May when the NBA draft declarations can either come back, they can withdraw their name or not. So we'll stay tuned on everything there. Built Bar, hey, let's talk about some Built Bar because Built Bar Puffs, they're delicious snacks. And if you don't want all the sugar and calories and you're looking for the best protein bar ever, well, you've got to try Built Bar. They've got healthy and tasty, amazing options. It's 100% real chocolate and they've got unbelievable flavors with churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. All you got to do is visit your local Walmart or Sam's Club. And while you can still get your specialty flavors, go to Built.com, get a four-bar box, go find a 13-bar box locally. And you're going to thank me later when you get a built bar. Cruising on into segment two for Locked On UCLA, we're going to spend the rest of this show talking about the softball team because, one, the awards are rolling in. Right as I started the show, the awards started coming in and pouring in for the Bruins heavily in favor of this team that is absolutely dominant this year in, in the circle, on the field, whatever it may be. UCLA coming in is 
50-4, 21-3 Pac-12 play as they head to Tucson to play the Pac-12 tournament, awaiting the winner of Arizona, Arizona State, for their quarterfinal matchup in the first-ever conference tournament in the softball ranks. Overall, the quick things I noted, I didn't see the first-team ranks whatsoever. But yeah, Maya Brady, Player of the Year, Jordan Woolery, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, and Megan Paramo, who is the pitcher of the year. I think those are all very easy options. Brady recently got her 200th hit, I believe the 35th, 36th Bruin in her career to get over 200 hits for an entire career. Brady's been absolutely crushing the ball all over the field. She is hitting 456. We've got Jordan Woolery, who's hitting over 400. Kennedy Powell, who has played in 54 games, hitting over 400. So you've got three Bruins at the top of your lineup who are hitting over 400. Even Aaliyah Jordan, who came back from injuries, only played 20 games, hits a walk-off home run in her final regular season at bat at home, and is hitting 346. So up and down the line, UCLA softball is absolutely cruising, heading to this Pac-12 tournament. And while it'll be an interesting, you know, tournament with teams who might try to improve their draft, not draft stock, might try to improve their resume, the Pac-12 is stacked from top to bottom. So in the the way that the tournament is built you win one day you move to the next day so on and so forth it's not exactly the double elimination format that you would expect it's single elimination you win you move on and then you see how it goes because looking at the bracket right now if ucla holds on eventually beats arizona arizona state then you get to play the winner of oregon and stanford that's no slouch and then you get the winner on the other side of whoever wins the other half of the bracket and that's a Saturday night showdown at 7 p.m. nationally televised. So this isn't like an NCAA tournament scenario where you get the likes of a double elimination. You can make your mistake. You learn this is, all right, you're playing to win, and then you're either in or out. Because some conference tournaments, they like to play it like the NCAA tournament, where it starts with a bracket or some form of a bracket into a best two out of three. But with this unique format designed a little bit for TV and kind of squished in there so you don't have to stay and play as many games, maybe – get so weary just from playing a conference tournament. And generally, we know which teams for the Pac-12 are going to get in. We're not trying to make sure Arizona, Arizona State, the eight, nine teams are building their resume with a super run to the conference tournament. Just more exposure, more money. And I know the Pac-12 has been struggling to get that media deal correct. But, you know, any extra time on TV, especially with such a good, powerful softball conference like the quote-unquote Conference of Champions is, why not get more exposure? So it is nice to see how UCLA has been thriving to the end of this season, heading into the postseason. But this is just a, a teaser. So reminder, it's single elimination. If they lose this week, it's not the end of the world. Well, yes, UCLA has won 23 games in a row. The last time UCLA lost, as we try to take a quick look here, was against Washington in the series opener at home March 17th. We're almost two months removed. If the Bruins go out and win this Pac-12 tournament, they'll be two months removed from their last loss of the year when they get to the NCAA tournament if they win this Pac-12 tournament. But as we've seen in other sports, just because you're a top one, top two team, red hot, that doesn't always mean you get an easy path or an easy game or two to get to the promised land. So those are things to look out for. But taking a look at some more numbers for UCLA softball, what was the reason why they dominated? Well, they've been swinging the bat well, but it's been Megan Faramo, who's had almost 40 appearances this year, and by the time the season's done, she'll rack up more than 40 appearances. 
close to over 20 plus starts. Overall, Foremo is a absolute beast. 28 and 2 with an ERA of 1.11. Taylor Tinsley in a little less limited fashion, 13 starts, 20 appearances. He's got a 1.47 ERA. And then Brooke Yanez with an ERA just over two. She is 15 in one. That is how dominant they've just been. Batting average against UCLA's pitching has only allowed a batting average against of 187. That means they're not, teams aren't even getting hits two out of every 10 at bats. They're getting less than that every single time they come up to the plate, which begs the question, kind of transitioning into the final thought about UCLA softball. Are they ready? to compete against the likes of an Oklahoma and get to the Women's College World Series again, try and upset Oklahoma. And while we are afraid about the likes of, can they win it on the big stage, considering how dominant the Sooners have been, one just hopes that Bramo has been so dominant this year, although she's been an absolute workhorse, almost 158 innings she's pitched this year, 215 strikeouts to 31 walks. If that's the Paramo who comes out and dominates in the tournament, whether it be the conference tournament, heading into the NCAA tournament, or beyond, then you've got something absolutely spectacular looking out for you going forward. That is what is important for UCLA. And then can I get the key at-bats and get the clutch hits coming up? Because, you know, you never know what happens in the tournament. And I haven't really looked at projections to see who they might send over to the UCLA Regional, generally the Big West champion, some mediocre two seed, and maybe a decent three seed will come over to the Los Angeles Regional and then Super Regional. But UCLA almost always hasn't struggled in recent years under Kelly and away Perez to get to that that mini pinnacle, right, to the Women's College World Series where some programs think that's the dream season. For UCLA, that's only where the fun begins, you know, mentally as a fan base with how successful they've been over the years. And considering there's another team atop the perch looking for three in a row, UCLA wants to say, hey, no, let's uh, let, let's change that right now and see how that goes for the Bruins. Overall, a team that's got 50 wins, 21 wins in conference play. They have just been on an absolute tear. And I do think this team can go on a deep run to the championship series. Of course, in softball, they have the weird wraparounds in the Women's College World Series that they did last year where it's not exactly a clear two halves of the bracket when you get to Oklahoma City. So you hope you're just on the opposite side of Oklahoma. Don't get wrapped around against the Sooners and then face them in the championship series at the latest and hopefully can beat them in a best two out of three. Because, hey, that is what this season's about. It's going to come down to beating, I think, an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, even though Oklahoma just wiped the floor with Oklahoma. I know Pac-12 teams are good. It just doesn't seem like this is one of those years where it's two Pac-12 teams or two Big 12 teams. It, It kind of seems like it's a collision course. But the one thing I must warn all you UCLA fans about is the fact that, hey, there's been a lot of close games this season for UCLA. And I know maybe the San Diego State game wasn't a a clear indication considering it's a senior day. It's a non-conference doubleheader the last regular season weekend of the year for the Bruins. And they had a 3-0 lead until the last inning before an Aaliyah Jordan walk-off home run. But just kind of look and see how many close games UCLA has won. And sometimes it's a good indication of teams who can come through in the clutch. Sometimes that's an indication of teams who have skated by and earlier on in the season against some, you know, lesser tier competition. Some could say it's they had to win some close games, winning in walk off fashion, comeback fashion. Remember that Clearwater Invitational in early mid-February 
when they played the Nebraskas, the Alabamas, the Florida States, Virginia Techs, Louisiana, maybe not so much Nebraska because they run ruled them, but from Alabama to Louisiana, all those games were fairly tight, close to the end, and it took big swings late in games to end those challenges from the opposition. So just, you know, it won't be a dominant run, I think, to a potential Women's College World Series run for UCLA, but it will be, I think, you know, I think they'll get there. They should get there. It might be a little tougher, maybe not in the first round, but the Super Regional, and there'll be a lot of tough games, especially starting with this Pac-12 conference tournament today. In the meantime, that's going to wrap up our short episode of Locked On UCLA today. Got, you know, more content, more stuff coming up in the next couple of days. We'll try and throw in a throwback Thursday segment tomorrow. We'll see if there's any basketball news, any football news. I know we talked Dante more yesterday. That's why you got to become an everyday listener of the Locked On UCLA podcast. All right, Bruins fans, get your hands up, everybody. A clap time. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. U C L A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been. Locked on UCLA. Go Bruins.